When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I want to take a second to shout out our friends at betonline.ag. It's that time of the year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest open now at BetOnline. Head to the website or use your mobile device today to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. Be sure to take advantage of your opening day super promo. Make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and use the promo code. NFL 100. Hanging in Patriots post game show. Evan Lazar, fresh out of the locker room. He had to get his Haswai Juke uh, question <laughs> into Mac Jones. Z Juke. Z Juke. <laughs> juke we haven't had we haven't had Y Juke since the tight end we don't call by name. That's here. right. We we need we need tight ends for that, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, even though we we'll get to Asiasi, he had he had himself a good game today. Um, sure. Lots to talk about. Uh, though a frustrating game uh, on the whole and just to kind of set the table you guys all watched um, it was an interesting week for the Patriots because you had Cam Newton with his COVID situation missed his run up of practice Mac Jones got run with the starters Um, people were curious to see how they were going to start the game today it again started with Cam kind of very vanilla stuff Cam wasn't asked to do much the Patriots offense on the whole didn't do much, played one very uninspired quarter and all the starters came out and Mac once again ran twos for twos versus ones a little, but we just never got to see in a preseason game Mac with the ones we've only got to see it, the practice this week. And then once against the giants playing another team, then he split the reps with Cam when Cam came back on Thursday. So was this, I guess, um, I don't know how to read this, Evan. I guess the easy thing to do is just to assume Cam Newton is the starter. That's why he's not playing much and really call it a competition. But for the most part, it's been Cam all along. They've decided it. They know it. And that's why we're seeing what we're seeing. Um, But it seems like a missed opportunity to those of you who've been watching training camp and wondering and thinking that Mac has played himself into a position where he legitimately deserves a shot to potentially be the starter here. And I know obviously there's a lot of fans who feel that way as well. So uh, why play it this way? In a true competition, would you not think it would be worthwhile to see and give Mac a run in a game uh, with starters, or perhaps they saw enough at practice this week they didn't really feel like it. I'm not really sure why, if you didn't have an obvious number one starter and an obvious backup, why you wouldn't have given, in a true competition, one guy, the second guy, a chance to play with the starters and see what he's got. In theory, Wednesday, Mac Jones threw 40 passes, pretty much all against the starting defense for the New York Giants in joint practices in competitive 11-on-11. So in theory, he got that work on Wednesday, and Cam didn't get that work on Wednesday because of the COVID thing, so he wasn't at practice. So you could answer that question by saying Mac got the lion's share of the reps during the joint practices. Cam got the lion's share of the meaningful reps in terms of starters against starters tonight but I think the other angle of that is Bill Belichick can get up at the podium and say 
I haven't made a decision yet on the starting quarterback because it behooves him to do that, right, and play a little bit coy with the Miami Dolphins. Which is up fine. Which is understandable if that's the case, and it might be. You know, right. so if that's the right. case, I get it. Which is fine. But at the same time, what I see and what you what you can piece together from what we see out there at practice every single day and what we saw in tonight's game and pretty much throughout the entire preseason is Cam is the starter. Cam is the guy that's getting in the huddle and leading the starting offense with the first team reps, right? When they break the huddle, when they come off the sideline in these preseason games and they run the starting offense out there, it's with Cam Newton. When they get into practice and and the 11-on-11 period comes up or a 7-on-7 period comes up, the first guy to take the reps is Cam Newton. So I think, in theory, Matt got that work with the starters during joint practices. We saw some very, very good things out of him on Wednesday, some things – reverting back to the mean a little bit maybe for Mac Jones on Thursday. But the one constant that I see between these two quarterbacks, and you have to preface everything that you say with Mac and Cam about who they're going up against, right? Because Mac is with the backups going against the majority of his reps against backups. But I would say that on the whole, the decision-making for Mac Jones and the quickness of the decisions that he makes when he gets through the reads and gets the ball out. He has been the faster and more correct processor more times than not than Cam Newton this summer. I think Cam has made some really good strides as a thrower this year. His timing is better. His downfield ball placement is better. And I'm sure we'll get into the interception in a second. And I can explain my stance on that play. Which is one of the best throws he's made ever as a Patriot. I mean, that was a throw. A missile 35 yards on a rope downfield right where it needed to be. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, we can go throw by throw as we get on. But, yeah, I, I'm still interested in this kind of global, right. you know, the, the big picture. on what's going on behind the scenes there in the decision-making process. The right? bottom line to me, and from everything that I've been able to piece together talking to people around the team, the bottom line is that Mac Jones, in my opinion, and this is sort of a well, – what's the, the word uh, – informed speculation or informed opinion, if you will, Mac Jones is going to be a factor this season for the Patriots. Meaning I do not think Cam Newton, unless he comes out and plays very, very well, we're talking uh, not MVP status. I think that's a little bit unfair, but good NFL starter play. I think that eventually they are going to turn the keys over to Mac Jones this season. I think Cam's going to start the year, mainly because when you look at that first month of games, Miami, New York, New Orleans, Tampa. New York, the Jets, they should be a little bit of an easy game. But for the most part, that foursome right there, those are some pretty good teams, right? Some really good defenses, some experienced defensive play callers. You go from Flores to Sala, to Dennis Allen, to Todd Bowles in those first four games. And the one thing that I have seen from Mac Jones is that when they change the picture on the quarterback after the snap. So pre-snap, he gets a cover one read, right? Single high safety, man-to-man on the outside. That's what he's looking at pre-snap. Then the defense rotates into a two-high shell after the ball is snapped. There's a little bit of hesitancy there of how to read that out because that doesn't happen unless you play – against Clemson, maybe Georgia at times does stuff like that in in college football. Not a lot of college football teams are spinning the dial like NFL teams do. They just don't have their bodies in the secondary. So it's a learning curve, right? He's got to learn how to handle that kind of defense. I get that, Evan. I just want to ask, what I don't get is I would understand if – the Patriots were in a situation where they had kind of that uninspired league average quarterback. Let's call it like prime years, Andy Dalton, who's right. right, who's right for the picking, who's good enough, but not great. And you draft the kid and you know, you're going to give it to the kid at some point, but you're waiting till he's ready, but they don't, they have a guy who statistically was possibly the worst starting quarterback. And again, we talk about weapons. We talk about a multitude of factors that contributed to that last year, but we saw it last year. This was, a, a, a player who no one came knocking for them uh, last year, except for the Patriots. Uh, and it was not a good season. It was, it was, it was overall very poor quarterback play. So unseating, 
I would understand this philosophy if you were talking about somebody who absolutely you trusted to at least do an okay job. I don't, do they trust Cam to do an okay job? Maybe their, tr maybe their belief in Cam in year two is a good bit higher, you know, uh, behind Mine the scenes. Is. Mine and, is. And, and, I, and justifiably, he already, as you said, he looks more comfortable mechanically a little bit right. better. He's making better reads. Definitely, the, but last year's version, that shouldn't be a difficult person to unseat. No, and I don't think that overall it's a difficult decision to make in the long term for Bill Belichick and the Patriots. But when you look at the history, there are some quarterbacks, rookie quarterbacks that come in week one, start week one, Dak Prescott, Ben Roethlisberger. These guys start week one and are gangbusters, right? They're great from, from start to finish. Justin Herbert last year, great for the most part from start to finish. But those are anomalies. Those are few and far between. For the most part, when you start a quarterback week one, those guys tend to fade down the stretch. Those guys tend to struggle in, as rookies and is not the best product. Now, with Mac, I, again, I think Mac Jones is going to start at some point this season. How much Jones better do you get in, in during the season, though? That's my question is, you, like, this is the ramp up. This is why right. get the reps, competitive reps, three preseason games, two weeks against um, other defenses, other teams where you're going head to head and you're seeing how it works in a competitive environment during the season. We know what this is. This is a day of rest. You know, this is a walkthrough. This is an off day. This is one day to get back on the field and implement a game plan and then another practice. And then, and, and you got to give the starter all the reps there. So camps holding a clipboard, just watching, or he's running scout team stuff. That's about it. I mean, you're not really, preparing outside of what you're studying and what you're able to glean just being in a professional environment watching but you've lost that ability to get competitive reps at that point sure and and that's a good point i just think to me what i have seen so far out there this summer and in the preseason games themselves as well is cam newton has made improvements on the margins is he cam of 2015 absolutely not but i think that cam has made enough improvements on the margins that for the first month to six weeks of the year the Patriots can get by with Cam Newton as their starter and not be forced into a position to rush Mac Jones on the field because with other teams you mentioned teams that don't have a guy like Cam who has his reputation and his resume and all that kind of stuff these other teams are forced to play these rookie quarterbacks right away because they have no better option right they, they have no better I don't option think the Patriots do either that's my thing Evan that's what I don't get is I don't know that like I think if you removed anything you've ever known about Cam Newton uh, and and like you said you were you know you were just dropped here you'd been in a coma right. you, you understand the game of football but you've been in a coma for 10 years you wake up and you watch them play through the course of preseason are you coming away with this thinking cam newton gives them the best chance to win or are you no. projecting i don't are, think are, are people projecting that as a rookie i expect they're going to run into these problems therefore this is a safe play I don't think that Cam Newton – I think their ceiling is much higher with Mac Jones because he opens up the yeah. passing system to run more of what they like to do. All right? I, it's not necessarily that I think that Mac is head and shoulders better than Cam, but Mac, in terms of what the Patriots' offense wants to be, what Josh McDaniels wants to run on a down-in and down-out basis, and we were going to talk about throw-to-throw -throw a little bit, and sure. the touchdown pass to Zuber, we mentioned it, off the top, it's Hasi Juke. That's the Patriots play. They call it Michael Jordan because it's the GOAT, right? Yeah. It's the best play that they have in their playbook. And he ran it to a T, to a T. He reads the cover four structure. He reads the rotation. He reads the linebacker over the slot, dropping into the flat. He knows he's got Zuber up the middle. All he's got to do is beat the boundary corner and the strong side safety to the spot. Or actually, I think it was the weak side safety, but regardless. all He, he knows he just got to zip it in there to beat him to the spot, and he's got a touchdown. That is a play that the Patriots run on repeat with Tom Brady. And not only did they run Hazi Juke the, in, in that it's specific play, they ran it out of empty. Right, so Haas DJ got to empty. That's vintage Haas. That's not just that, that, that's, that's that's like that's expert level Tom Brady Haas, right? Like they don't run empty with just any quarterback, right? They they run empty with guys that they trust to make the reads quickly because you are only in a five man protection, and if you hold the ball, 
you're screwed, right? You're going to get sacked very quickly. So they ran it out of empty, which on top of all of that just tells you how much they trust Mac Jones's ability to get the football out of his hands as quickly as possible. So I think that Mac is the best fit for this offense out of these two quarterbacks. But I think that Cam has improved just enough that they can get by with him for the first month, for the first six weeks of the season, and make sure that Mac Jones is 110% prepared to make a start. Because we still have not gotten into a game plan week. Mac Jones has not been in a Bill Belichick locker room, in a Bill Belichick meeting, or a Josh McDaniels meeting before uh, a game in the regular season where they're sitting down and they're planning out a game plan for the week and they're watching film on an opponent. They don't do that stuff for the preseason games, right? It's all about ourselves and working on things ourselves. So they still have to teach him a lot of the things behind the scenes as well. And they also need to make sure that he's 110% ready with the mental side of all the coverage rotations and all the blitz looks and all the different things that they're going to see. So here's the point. Mac Jones with Mac, it's about the next five to 10 years. It's not about September, 2021. They can let him fall on the sword. Right. And Cam Newton, they don't care if Cam Newton's confidence goes out the window. They don't care if Cam Newton is not their quarterback of the future. They have their quarterback of the future in Mac Jones and jeopardizing any part of that future just because maybe they would go two and two or three and one with Mac and they go one and three or two or two or whatever. Right. Maybe just for a, an extra win on, on the end of the uh, of the month of September of 2021 means absolutely nothing. I would much rather sacrifice the first month, the first six weeks of the season, and wait until Mac Jones is 110% ready, and then sacrifice Mac Jones' long-term but success. It, it is strange, though, because you are creating an environment where what what's, what's actually going to happen is Mac Jones will be no readier to start than in week five than he is in week one. Which means well, I disagree will, with that. Well, I think he will be. Because Josh McDaniels is going to be able to work with him behind the scenes, right? Sure, but you're still going to live through growing pains. So you're going to enter. You may enter a rough patch where you go one and three with Cam, pull the trigger. Now you got to live through who knows what, how many, you know, growing pains games, you know, three, four, five, you know, whatever with Mac. And that could theoretically tank your season if you got off to enough of a start. What I don't get is, you know, we've seen Bill do this twice in his career, pulling – high level starters, you know, who were still playing at a, at a decent level, albeit not, you know, great for people who they thought were ready and could play better than that. I just don't understand if he thinks Mac's going to be the guy in week five, why he doesn't think he's going to be the guy in week one. It just, it seems out of character unless behind the scenes, they really do feel cam is overall better. We're all idiots. We don't know what we see that, you know, it, they're confident in Mac from everything that they've seen. They don't need him to have a, a big preseason performance in order to feel good about inserting him there, which very well might be the case. He, he was fantastic in the preseason, to be honest. He's one of the highest graded PFF quarterbacks in the league. Yeah, I mean, last not, week, not just rookies in the entire last league. Last week he was terrific, and right, uh, right. And so, then uh, yeah, and then tonight just not much of an honor as we uh, not much of an opportunity as we said two of five with that interception, but. You know, one of those incompletions slash that interception is the best throw he made all night. So it's not really fair there. And then who knows if that drive keeps going, if that pass gets caught and he could have accumulated, he could have piled in a, you know, a touchdown drive there or something and the night would have looked a little bit different. So I think you can throw tonight out completely. People are looking at the numbers saying, what? I, you know, certainly doesn't tell enough of a story. I didn't love the interception. I'm not going to lie. And I know really? that people think I nitpick Cam, and maybe this is a little bit nitpicky. Why is that? So I thought it was the wrong read, personally, because the throw was great. The ball placement on the throw, the trajectory of the of the throw, he made when he made the decision to throw the seam, he made the perfect throw up the seam, right? That that's as good as it gets in terms of ball placement and the in the velocity on the football. But if you watch the play back, it's cover two, right? And they have the safety over the top on that side of the field. He's hovering right in between the two out the inside vertical and the outside vertical. Kendrick Bourne's running up the left sideline. Jacoby's running up the shoot. And Blake Martinez makes a really good play to get underneath the seam route by Jacoby Myers very, very quickly, right? If you watch the play back, Blake Martinez really doesn't false step all that much. He sees number two get vertical, and he gets vertical with Jacoby Myers almost instantly. So now you have a defender underneath Jacoby Myers' route, 
and a defender over the top of Jacoby Myers' route, or you could have just tried to hit the honey hole to Kendrick Bourne on the sideline. The throw on the sideline is a much higher percentage throw than the throw up the gut. You got two guys converging on that on that play. It was a really good play by Blake Martinez, a really good job to steal the football from him. But if you watch the play back, in my opinion, the right quarterback read on that play was to Kendrick Bourne on the left sideline. The throw he made was fantastic once he made the decision. Bourne was open. But I would have liked him to throw the ball to Bourne there. Sure. Um, uh, as a quick aside, because I want to get back to the quarterbacks, I will say any concern here um, that, uh, like, there was one throw to Aguilar and he was – covered as covered can be um he's had a couple of setbacks with you know a tweak here a blah 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 there we never really got to see this happen uh, uh Aguilar we haven't seen much from Bourne obviously Henry's been injured and Smith John who's been in and out any concern that the entire class of free agent weapons here is still a bit of an unknown as we're heading into week one chemistry feels like a concern with this group just because they have been banged up throughout the summer Guys like Aguilar, uh, obviously Hunter Henry and John Smith have both dealt with their injuries. Those, I would say that those things kind of add up a little bit, right, in terms of pure chemistry out out on the field. But with Aguilar, he was great early on in training camp, getting behind the defense. He was your player to watch sort of guy on a lot of different, you know, training camp videos. He he was was creating real downfield opportunities. And he got injured, whatever. We still don't really know what the injury was, but he gets injured and that disappeared a little bit, right? And we see this all the time. And that's my fear. With this, with Aguilar, I'm not so worried about Hunter Henry because he's a technician. He's a guy that comes in and is sort of a professional and is able to, to go out there and do his job. Regardless, he did with the Chargers all the time, on the field, off the field, on the field, off the field, and it never seemed to matter. With a guy like Aguilar, we have seen this movie before where a wide receiver that they bring in to help out kind of falls by the wayside because of injuries, right? He's not able to ramp it all the way back up because he's been hurt. Now he's out there and he's behind in terms of the mental game. He's behind with the playbook. So he's trying to catch up mentally with the playbook as he's trying to go out there and win games with the team. And that's my fear with Aguilar is that he is now so far behind the eight ball that he gets that it kind of snowballs on him, right? So I'm not so worried that this about this offense as a whole is with Aguilar, and that is just once you fall out of rhythm with this offense, Nikhil Harry is a perfect example. Not as talented as Nelson Aguilar, but early on in his career, rookie season, gets hurt, spends the first right. eight games on injured just reserve. Derailed. Yeah. Just forget about it. Mohamed Sanu, right? Just just forget about it. Once he gets hurt, it's they fall behind too far, and that's that. So that would be my fear with Aguilar, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I want to get back quickly to the uh, Cam Mack thing. It, Like I said – all, everything logical based off of what we've seen, who's taking the first team reps, Cam missing his time, coming right back out and being the first guy, Cam once again leading with the starters tonight, Cam getting all first team reps in the preseason seems to be a big neon flashing light, Cam Newton is the starter. Is sure. there a world in which it's not? Which is to say, again, this is what we see because this is what's happening. Is there any chance – what we're all seeing is in deference to a veteran who has come in here, done everything asked of him, and uh, is was the clubhouse leader throughout training camp and the guy who earned it, so to speak, because of, you know, like I said, coming in here, being a good soldier, taking a really, you know, f- uh, team-friendly deal, uh, going through what he went through last year. Is there a world in which, in their eyes, they've seen enough from Mac where – they didn't need to necessarily put him in with the starters. Is it a chance he's won it? We just don't know it. Or it just really seems like it's all cam. Cause I do think what I do find interesting, there's certainly the games. Look, we're, we're at the point now without, you know, in the reading body language or reading the tea leaves sort of portion of things, which is Bill's going to tell you what he's going to tell you when he's going to tell you. And that's that. And you just got to live with it. But again, we're trying to assess a situation based on having covered the team for years, knowing how things work. The only thing I find interesting is last year when Cam Newton was playing poorly and there was questions nonstop, Bill repeatedly at the end of games without saying, I'm going to go look at the tape. We're not going to talk about that now immediately. Cam's a starter. I don't. Right. 
more questions. Cam's a starter. Cam's a starter. Cam's a starter. He has not said that this year. He's not said it at all. That's one thing to be coy heading into a game if you want to, you know, mess up a team's game plan and throw some wrinkles at him heading into week one. But it's another all camp long to basically play this game and string it along and make it appear as if it's a competition versus flat out saying Cam Newton is the starter. And if something changed, it changed. He wouldn't say that. And even again today, we have a lot of decisions to make was his answer. Why is he going about it that way? And is there a world in which maybe in his mind, he's still figuring it out? I think there is a world where he's still figuring it out to a degree in terms of, I think that they need to sit down him and Josh McDaniels and figure out what's the best timeline for Mac Jones, right? Cause I, you, we, we keep on focusing on September 12th, 2021 week one against the Miami dolphins, but the Patriots and, and Bill Belichick specifically as the head coach of the Patriots, he needs to look at the bird's eye view, right? He needs to be able to come in and look at the big picture and yeah. say, if we throw this kid out there, against Flores on week one against Miami with a bunch of veteran players in that defense and they start running amoeba fronts and they start running cover zero blitzes and they start running all these rotations and all these different pressure looks and all this, they sort of the kitchen sink of scheme at Mac Jones. Is the kid going to be ready? Because we know that Flores will do exactly that because yeah. you taught him. Bill Belichick taught him how to do that, right? So we know exactly what Flores is going to go into that game plan with, and he's going to say, hey, remember what Bill did against Jared Goff and the Rams in the Super Bowl? We're going to use that game plan against Mac Jones because this kid has never seen anything like that before, right? And that's going to be as much of the training wheels as Josh McDaniels can put on the offense and as easy as they could try to make it like Sean McVay did in that Super Bowl – eventually it's, the headset's going to go off, the ball is going to be live, and Mac Jones is going to have to make a decision with it, right? And to me, that's where they need, they need to figure out the, sure, timeline, but, the best timeline for the team moving forward. Okay, but that's fine. But Brian Flores last year held Cam Newton and the Patriots to 12 points in a game that the Patriots absolutely right, had but, to win. But I, I think, again, and I think that this is where we differ, is that I, do, I don't ultimately care about week one, September 2021. Sure. Right? I care about the next whatever or the next five to 10 years. Okay. With, with, a, with Bill Belichick uh, agreed. and Mac Jones. But if this season is look that we, again, we are spoiled. We have watched right. the team here that we're used to a certain thing. So people are impatient. And yes, of course you didn't draft Mac Jones to win week one at Miami. Just right. simply the question is, Again, a lot of teams go through this. The, it's just new to the Patriots. A lot of teams get quarterbacks. They're not expecting to turn around and win last year. But again, you're talking about a team that was a Super Bowl contender a couple of seasons ago to all of a sudden be just throwing seasons away and say, we'll get there eventually. You know, and I, I know there's, there's... We're not a, throwing seasons away. We're throwing yeah. one or two or three or four weeks. Not, away, not throwing them away. But, but we're right. just giving them to Cam Newton because we think that Cam Newton can at least get them through it unscathed they're not going to go zero and four with cam newton at the court as quarter as so, a quarterback position in september that's right? fine do you that's, think that's bill and jo- do you think bill it's possible bill and josh someone just asked here kind of joking but do you think it's possible bill and josh actually still don't know i think it's possible that they actually still don't know i also think it's possible that they might disagree because josh mcdaniels is the offensive coordinator of the patriots it's not necessarily Josh McDaniels' job to think about the long term of the team, right? Like that that's not what coordinators do. And when Josh McDaniels No, but he's thinking this guy, but you see it. I mean, it's almost embarrassing. Right. It's like he got a new toy for Christmas and he's so, he can't wait to play with it every day. You see right. them walking and talking at practice. You see them on the sideline and he's like, Oh, the guy who does the things that my offense does. It's obvious right. he's got, you know, right. you know, he, it's obvious. When, when they pull up the tape and they go through corrections the next day with the two quarterbacks, you got to think that Josh McDaniels is just giddy about some of the things he sees from Mac Jones because he told, I asked him, I think it was last week we spoke to him last Sunday. I asked him how he felt the pace of the offense was with Mac because they were going no huddle. They were able to move it from point A to point B a lot faster. It felt like it was a lot quicker of an operation. And Josh McDaniels said there were very few, if any pre-snap errors by his rookie quarterback through the preseason two games so far. None, basically, is yeah. what he said. Pre-snap errors, and he said he's done, doing a fantastic job of setting the table, which is what we want, 
right? We want a quarterback that's going to put the other 10 guys in a position to succeed. And McDaniels said that that's exactly what Mac Jones does is he puts those guys in a position to succeed. You see the reads, you see the accuracy, you see the wise beyond his years at the line of scrimmage. You see all these types of things. He is going to play this year. Point blank. It's so, a matter and, and, of when. And I guess, right, we are nitpicking here, but I'm uh, my stance is and has always been, I, I, it doesn't appear close, uh, as, it, that close. It, it, it clearly, in everybody's mind, if it doesn't happen in week one, it's happening eventually. I think every single second you're, you're messing around splitting reps or Cam Newton is taking reps with the ones is just delaying not just the inevitable, but de- delaying the progress and possibly hurting your, your chances this season. I know a couple people have talked and written about this. Tom Curran had a column NBC. Boston, at this point, it's there's kind of a vibe of what are we doing here still at this point. If you know you're getting there, why are you slowing the development down by giving the snaps away? And, and that's, I guess, where because people are going to... Because I think it gonna... depends on what your view is of slowing down the development. My My feeling on it is that... I'm willing to have Cam Newton be the sacrificial lamb of the New England Patriots, right? If he has got to throw, if you got to throw Cam out there week four against Tom yeah. Brady to lose by three TDs, then no offense to Cam at all. It has been great, a great person for the Patriots, great locker room guy, great leader, all those types of things. But so be it. That's the point of a bridge quarterback, right? Is that you're fine with Cam having an issue, right? You're fine with Cam looking poor. You're fine with all these things. Just make sure that Mac Jones is 110% ready. That's all I'm going to say because a lot of these young quarterbacks that get thrown into the fire too early, it ruins their entire careers, right? These guys' entire careers can get derailed by just six weeks of their first rookie season. Like Sam Darnold was never the same, right? The Jets threw Sam Darnold out there week one, and he was never the same. Now, the Patriots have a much better infrastructure around Mac Jones than Sam Darnold ever had with the Jets, but it just feels to me like just be patient. Mac Jones is going to play. He's They're gonna also play. going to – the Patriots are very smart. I mean, if you look at the handling of Tom Brady, I mean, Tom Brady was a was a game manager for three seasons. You know, like, I mean, the, the plays called – they didn't put him in a position where he had to do things that were beyond his comfort zone. And I think the Patriots are smart enough to do that with right. Mac Jones as well. They're not going to say, go out there and just sling it, kids. So I do agree on the infrastructure thing. I'm not particularly worried about – about the whole you're going to wreck his career sort of thing. I'm simply looking at it as in competitions, the better player usually wins. And I think we're just considering too many factors that have nothing to do with what's going on in the field what, in making this decision. And again, when you look at the two tapes and you look at the two players and you look at their performance in the, in the preseason and in the training camp practices that I was able to watch, yeah. Mac has been the better player. Yeah, Mac has been the better player. It hasn't always been against not ones against ones with Mac. No, he has had a lot of reps against backups. Certainly, especially early on in training camp, he was going up against backups more than Cam. Right. But eventually, you have to call a spade a spade. And Mac Jones, not only has he just been a better passer in general in terms of accuracy, decision-making, all those types of things, he's also just a much better fit for what Josh McDaniels wants sure. to run. So. He's going to start. I just, I'm preaching patience, patience here. Yeah. Patience. It's All going right. to happen. It, it, it's fair. So I mean, this conversation is similar to one that we've had. I guess the frustrating part is you're looking for something more definitive to happen along the way. It felt like there was a shift this week because of what had happened when Matt right. was forced into the situation, but it quickly reverted back to what we've been seeing, which is Cam's kind of leading the way. Still nobody really knows. And, and here we are. So, the conversation will continue. I, I'm curious, though. I mean, someone's taking starter reps and practices, and I know you guys are only seeing stretching, um, you know, from this moment forward. So you've lost the ability um, to, you know, make judgments on what we see. So really, right now, we are at the mercy of whatever Bill, you know, does and says because yeah. you won't see. We're not going to see a thing. And again, for people there um, no, who don't know how it runs, training camp lasted all of this time the reporters are allowed to sit in on practice all of it see everything they are only allowed to report on certain 
aspects of what they see, but they get to see it. Um, so there's a lot of context behind what everybody is saying in terms of their evaluations. And you get a lot of people who really understand what they're looking at. Now that goes away. We are now in regular season mode preparing for Miami, which means the reporters are out there on the field and they get to watch the guy stretch for five minutes and then they shut it down and everything else happens uh, behind closed doors, so to speak. I mean, it's in a stadium, but that's it. So we've lost our eyes. We've lost our we eyes and ears. We don't have eyes. We don't have eyes anymore. So yeah. it, it is a bit of a bummer. So we have what we have to go on. And after all of this time, again, you saw what you saw and nothing happened. So the conversation continues. Who knows if and when we'll have something definitive. We do have to move on. Um, it's a strange, it's a different year um, with the three preseason games and a uh, very quick decision here on the cutdowns, which are coming on Tuesday. Um you know, usually the last preseason game is one where jobs are not really on the line and most decisions are made. And if you're talking about making a cut, you might be talking about one or two spots. Anybody play their way on or off the roster in your estimation uh, based off of what you've seen here? So I don't think either one of these guys have really played their way off the roster, but you do... Jennings. You look into these preseason games especially these finales and you try to take note of the 11 guys that are in for the (laughs) final snaps of the game right who are these guys that are playing towards the tail end because whether or not they're actually going to get cut they're definitely players that the coaching staff needs to see more of to make a final decision on and two guys that were out there to the tail end of this game on defense chase winovich and henry anderson two guys that i thought were going to definitely be on this team and winovich it does feel like you think maybe he's heading towards the Sony Michelle path, right? Of good player, just too much depth at that position, not exactly the best fit or the best player that they have for that role on this team. Josh Uche has lapped him, right? Josh Uche is a far superior player. Right. Matt Judon, we know, is going to play. Kyle Van Noy, we know, is going to play. Dante Hightower is going to play in that role in some capacity. So you have all these players to throw at that outside linebacker edge position. And Winovich is out there into the fourth quarter, repping with the second, third, fourth stringers on defense and potentially showcasing some things for a trade potentially. I I honestly do think part of that could be just simply keeping him in check because he's a guy who uh, is possibly in need of an attitude adjustment. He's a little, he's a little Hollywood. Uh, He primps and preens a little bit too much for the camera. He likes, likes to, to hear himself, himself talk a little he, bit. He, he, he talks, I like Chase, but he likes to hear himself talk. He talks like all he listens to uh, on his headphones all day are motivational uh, speakers, you sure. know, like that. But anyway, uh, but he's got that thing where some. I, I do wonder whether they're out there. It's like we want you to check yourself a little bit and recognize you're not all there yet. So I don't think Winovich is necessarily on the bubble. Whether it's a showcase, per, you know, perhaps I always just kind of wondered if he was just being being put out there because it's like you haven't arrived yet kid you've still got to earn it and i don't want you acting like you're like you're all that there's also an element of it too that he was he started training camp on the pup list so he hasn't gotten quite a live reps as some of these other guys but a name i would just throw out there really quickly is Deshaun bauer who's had a really nice summer really nice preseason does a lot of the things one of those lunch pail type of guys right not the flashiest types of players but he's long he's got good play strength he's able to set the edge of the defense he is one of their system type of guys and if there is a team out there maybe these giants or the philadelphia eagles that saw the patriots practice with them for a couple of days each if there's another team out there that's willing to offer the patriots value for chase winovich let's say a third or a fourth round pick for chase winovich and the patriots trade winovich they keep bauer on the 53 man roster as depth that is a path that I could definitely see them going down similarly to what we just saw with Sony Michelle. The other guy is Henry Anderson, who I asked Bill Belichick about a couple weeks ago, and he was glowing in, in profuse big time praise for the veteran. Then he's out there with the defense and with two minutes to go in the final preseason game of the year. And you start to wonder, is he somebody that might not actually make this team? And we've seen this movie before with defensive linemen that come in here as free agents, Mike Pinnell, Michael Bennett, you know, guys that just didn't click, right? Just didn't click for them. And and maybe they could be on the outside looking in, but with Winovich and Anderson, I think both of those guys will ultimately make the team with Winovich. The only reason why I see him off the team is if they actually get a decent trade offer. If they get a good enough trade offer for Chase Winovich, I do think they'll move him. 
Okay, couple guys who um, probably the biggest the the the. the the one guy who I wouldn't say one guy you wanted to see more than anything. One guy we've seen virtually nothing from in his year plus here in New England, who showed something today, uh, and people are talking about for sure was Asi Asi. This was a bit of a revelation, and again, preseason doesn't matter except for a guy who you haven't seen do a freaking thing um, since the Patriots made him a third round draft pick a year ago, uh, and Asi Asi looked kind of like the guy who was described to us by you and other people who watch tape on him, um, you know, uh, heading into uh, the draft last season and, and after the Patriots selected him of a guy who can do the kind of things that we saw him do uh, tonight. So this was definitely encouraging, especially considering again, Henry's banged up and it seems like he's going to be all right uh, for the, uh, for week one, but you can never have enough talent uh, at this position or really at any of the skill positions for the Patriots. So this was certainly a, a positive development. They finally started to scheme up some things for him to actually get the ball, which was nice tonight. The tight yeah. end throwback play where they fake the handoff right. He comes back around across the formation to the left, and Mac hits him with that little bootleg, and they're able to get it into space. Tried to hurdle a guy. Didn't work out, but that was a nice little play there for Devin Asiasi. I thought the back shoulder throw up the seam was a really good adjustment by him. He said he was just reacting, kind of just in the moment, was able to see the football. But those types of adjustments, those types of back shoulder adjustments, you, you're not no one's telling you that their the back shoulder is coming, right? You got to make that adjustment yep. instinctively. A nice play by a, a tight end to go up the seam, feel that happening, see the linebacker inside of him, the safety over the top, and know that the best place to throw that football was where Mac threw it to the back shoulder. So a couple good catches. He also caught one on what inside kind of option route, was able to get open there in the middle of the zone defense, sit it down. Good play there as well. So Overall, I think that Devin Asiasi has done enough. He can block a little bit, too. I think he's a serviceable blocker. He's not Rob Gronkowski, obviously, but he can get away with it in the trenches. He can kind of block the stalemates and be able to hold up there. So overall, I think that Devin Asiasi is going to make this team. I don't think it's very close with Matt Lacoste, who's also injured, so that definitely right. is a factor as well. But the four guys that I have on in that tight end fullback position, because I do have Jakob Johnson making the team because it's the Patriots. Uh, Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith, Devin Asiasi, I think are going to be your three tight ends this year. Okay. Uh, and so another guy who you weren't sure necessarily um, would has a role on this team continues to show, um, again, very, it's against twos and threes, but JJ uh, Taylor again. Every single time he gets the ball, he does something with it. Uh, it's kind of hard to ignore at this point. He's one of those players. It's funny because Ivan Fears warned us of this, and it was an interesting answer when he said it because guys like Taylor that are incredibly shifty and incredibly explosive, you would think that a guy like that would show out in practice a lot, right? You would think that those kinds of players, typically the guys that look great in shorts and a t-shirt, we talk about all the time, right? We're, we're always all over those guys, especially in the spring. J.J. Taylor was somebody that's better in games, not in practices. He doesn't flash like this in the practices. He comes out in games and really plays to a different degree at a different level. And this might be getting a little bit too crazy, but if J.J. Taylor can learn to return punts, I don't know about Gunnar Oshevsky's spot on this team. He can't keep dropping passes, man. I mean, he's, he's just not going to play any receiver for them. He's obviously a very, very good punt returner, but Pro he's not. Or Gunnar Olszewski, right? I mean, he's not. He's not. He's only a punt returner. Only. He's not going to return kickoffs. He's not going to play any wide receiver unless they absolutely have to throw him out there. And JJ Taylor can do both of those roles in terms of returning the football on kickoffs and on punts. And he can play and a little bit of third down. Back. That's right. another thing too. When you've got Slater and you've got, uh, you know, uh, you Cody know, Davis and Justin Bethel, Bethel and, Davis, right. and a lot of guys who are not playing at all. They're specialists. They're only playing special teams. Sure. Throwing another one in there as Gunner um, is another tough one in a position. And it's again, it's I can see that as well. Is you're you're running out of people. You you need to be able to do more than one thing unless you are. And again, it is tough because Gunner was outstanding. He's a pro bowler uh, at that position. So it would be something to give up. But it's too bad. He's not going to make it as a receiver here. And uh, I don't think that they're going to cut him. And, and Julian Edelman, Troy Brown, those guys – 
to a degree followed similar paths, but I would say that the one difference is, is that Julian Edelman and Troy Brown also carved out roles in other phases of special teams, right? Those guys, sure, sure, kicked, sure. Yeah. those guys did other things in the kicking game. So Gunnar Olszewski is going to have to eventually round out his game to be, if he's only going to play on special teams, he's going to ra- have to round out his special teams game to playing on four or five different units. It can't just be punt returns. It's not valuable enough to keep him on this team as just a punt exactly. returner. It's, it's, he needs to be able to do something else. Yeah. Um, and then I guess the last thing we wanted to talk about a little bit is, uh, uh, you know, you do have a bit of a Nikhil Harry conundrum. I don't know uh, what would happen here, but you see them. What do you what do you do with Nikhil? Do you IR him to start the season? Right. Um, you know, uh, is he is he a cut candidate? I mean, you know, trading him is difficult now because he's hurt. Um, any idea how that plays? And again, we're looking at the the. I think the timetable people are throwing out there is four weeks ish from when he got hurt. So would put him into maybe week two or three. So I, I had heard that it was a two- to four-week injury for Nikhil Harry, and I'm not saying that Nikhil Harry and the team aren't on the same page, but what I was told from a source in Nikhil Harry's side of things was that Harry feels like with rest and treatment that he should be ready to go week one in the opener, right? The Patriots are sort of alluding to the fact that they would like to – rest him up a little bit longer than that and and not put him out there right away. So he's going to make the 53 man roster regardless, right? Because they're going to they're not going to put him on IR and end his season. So they he's going to make the 53 and then they'll make a decision on and then something reserve. will happen exactly right. right. Now, the one guy that really this is there's always a domino effect with these types of things, right? And the one thing that really impacts a guy like Nikhil Harry's decision in terms of his roster spot is Christian Wilkerson, right? Who's done he had a little bit of a lull there, right? He had about a week to ten days where he was struggling, dropped some passes in Philadelphia, kind of disappeared in practice for a little bit after that. Came out tonight and had a decent finale, put a bow on his preseason pretty well against the Giants. And he has done for all intents and purposes, he has done everything that you possibly could to make a team as a UDFA last year who was not on the team to begin the summer but then pushed to make the team as the summer wore on. Wilkerson, in terms of special teams ability, getting open as a receiver, he's done everything that you possibly can do. So if a guy like Nikhil Harry were to end up on injured reserve after the cutdown day, put him on there, you can bring him back after three weeks. It makes it obviously easier to trade him because you're not ending his season. They could bring back Christian Wilkerson after that to take up that roster spot, be the fourth receiver, and survive th- those couple weeks without Nikhil. I, I still think Nikhil is going to be on the team this year because the Patriots, for – they haven't tried incredibly hard to trade him quite yet, but the offers that they've gotten, or at least the flyers that they've put out there, they're just not going to get anything for sure. him. And I don't think it's worth it to them to trade a, let's say, a, for a conditional sixth or seventh round pick, a player that has shown some promise this summer and has shown some flashes in his tape throughout his Patriots career, even if it hasn't all come together. So I think that they would, prefer to try to see if they can figure something out with Nikhil Harry. And the one other element of this too, quickly, when you watch these receivers from Nelson Aguilar to Jacoby Myers, Kendrick Bourne, to Christian Wilkerson, to Gunner, none of these guys have any size, right? They, they, they're, really, they're really missing it. And yeah. obviously you factor in the tight ends and they can throw the tight ends and use their size and their contested catch ability. But to me, that at least is something that Nikhil Harry brings to the table is that he's the only guy that's a six foot two, six foot three outside receiver on this team. Nobody else can fit that mold. Right. Yep. Well, I, I, I tend to agree there. I don't think there's going to be a ton of drama uh, with uh, the 53 or anything that's going to be an eye popping sort of move, but um, you know, stay with us well, here. I'll give, you, I'll give you a couple. I'll give you okay, a couple. Really go ahead. Give me, give, give me, so, give me your, I don't, think, bold prediction, I don't think that there's going to be any major surprises in terms of young players that are not going to make this team. JJ Taylor is making the team. Uh, you know, all the rookies and second year players, I think, are going to ultimately make the team. Anthony Jennings might make it and then get it put on injured reserve after the 53, sure. but I think he's going to make the initial cut down. But if I had to look for guy, places where they might be able to save roster spots, 
I do not think Brian Hoyer's roster spot is safe. I know everybody thinks they got to carry three QBs. They got to carry three QBs because of COVID. And I understand that. But what you can do by cutting Brian Hoyer, who doesn't have to go through waivers, he's somebody that can be immediately becomes a free agent and re-signed, is you cut Brian Hoyer, you put Nikhil Harry on injured reserve, you put Stephon Gilmore on injured reserve, and you get Brian Hoyer back on the phone and say, Here's your roster spot. You can right? also cut Brian Hoyer and do nothing and then call him whenever you want to bring him back. Right. It's right. not he's not going anywhere. The, the yeah. other guy I would mention that I I, I think I'm gonna have Hoyer and just a little bit of tease of my roster final roster projection that I'm gonna uh, drop late tonight or tomorrow morning. Brian Hoyer is one guy that I don't know if I that I don't think I'm going to have on the team and Brandon Bolden's the other one because those are two guys that there will be a roster spot for those guys after Tuesday's cut down right after 4 p.m eastern they'll figure out a way to put somebody on IR and bring those guys back but nobody is knocking down the door for Brian Hoyer or Brandon Bolden and I would also put Brandon King in that mix as well well you thought that a couple years ago and Bolden got snapped up he Uh, did get snapped up but Ultimately, I think that they can do without him if they absolutely have to. So those are two guys that I would prefer to see them hold on to some of the younger, more talented players. Rather than see if you can sneak them through under your practice squad. It makes more sense. Gamble on a Bolden, gamble on a Hoyer instead of losing a guy who you actually want to hang on to. Because Mac Jones is 110% ready to back up Cam Newton if he's not going to be the starter, right? They don't need brian hoyer to be a backup quarterback this year they're using brian hoyer as a guy as a de facto quarterbacks coach and a third qb in case cam catches COVID. right that's the only reason why brian hoyer is here so they can they can call him back up after roster cut down his whole family lives in the new england area his wife his kids are here he doesn't want to pack up and move across the country just for four months it's not worth it to him so to me i think brian hoyer brandon king Brandon Bolden, these guys can be cut. They can be brought back after the fact. You open up roster spots for a Carl Davis. You open up roster spots for some of these DBs, Sean Wade, you know, Juwan Williams, uh, Miles Bryant, you know, these types of players that are more about val- Anthony Jennings that are more valuable to the Patriots in the long term than a guy like Brandon Bolden. And then eventually you'll bring those guys back. Okay. Uh, so again, keep it with Evan. Keep it with us here uh, at CLNS. Check out clnsmedia.com. Evan, I'll have a write-up on the game coming up shortly and roster uh, projections coming up. Uh, of course, follow Evan Lazar on Twitter if you don't already. Um, you can follow me. I don't care if you do or don't. But Evan, 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 Evan's got the goods for you. He's bringing it daily. He's down in Foxborough. Obviously, he's at the Meadowlands right now uh, covering the game, and then he'll be in Foxborough uh, next couple of weeks leading up to week one against Miami. Do you guys have a Patriots beat tomorrow? We do have a Patriots beat tomorrow afternoon, probably around 4 or 5 o'clock whenever I, I get home from this yeah. road trip. And then yeah. we'll do one on Tuesday as well around 4, 4.30, right, as the roster cuts make uh, become official. Yeah, so expect that breaking news. Roster cuts are 4 o'clock. Uh, we'll do Patriots beat there at 5. We'll have content rolling out from Foxborough all week long again as Evan kind of tracks the team. We'll see what happens uh, as the quarterback situation uh enters week whatever who knows since you know it's uh it's been going on now for you know over a month we still have no resolution so we'll see once again patriots beat the giants to complete a perfect preseason 22 to 20 only three games this year because they're playing 17 regular season games something i think i forgot at the beginning of today um I, in my, i'm in so the, happy about this so the preseason's i over. know but the in the back of my mind worst. In the back of my mind, I'm like, I got a credential, Evan, for week four. I was like, ugh. <laughs> and then I was like, wait a second. I was like, there's no week four. This is it. We're it's done. beautiful. Let's yeah. go. So Labor Day done. weekend and then right to week one. I love we're, it. We're done. Football's happening, guys. So, again, thank you guys for joining. Um, sorry for those of you who have been battling in the chat this whole time. It's been it's been kind of grisly in there. Let's just have fun and talk football. Regular season's about to begin. Thanks for hanging out. Again, Patriots beat tomorrow live, 4 or 5 o'clock. You want to check in with that with uh, Evan and Alex. Until then, we will see you guys.